Today's daf is Samech, Samech Chet in Yoma. We are beginning at the Mishnah on the bottom of Samech Zayin Amud Bet, where we left off yesterday. And so at this point, the, the Sayyidina Mishtalech has been sent out. That was what we were discussing in the previous Mishnah and Gemara. And now we, we, we come back to the Kohen Gadol and what he's doing. Because after the, uh, you know, we sort of like... Uh, uh, shift the focus to the Seir HaMishtalech. It's going out of the Beit HaMikdash. It's not being taken by the Kohen Gadol, but it's been taken by the Ish Iti, the designated person. Meanwhile, the Kohen Gadol is back at the Beit HaMikdash continuing the service. So it says, Balo etzel parvisa nisrofin. So now what, what he has left, because what he had done prior to the uh, sending out of the Seir HaMishtalech is he had applied the blood of the Seir and the Par inside the Kodesh HaKodeshim, inside the Kodesh, to the altar uh, this golden altar, and then he poured the rest out on the base of the altar outside, and then he sends away the Sinon Mishtalech. So at this point, he has the bodies of those two korbanot to deal with, the body of the Parvaseir, and they're called, uh, they're called the Parvaseir and Nisrafin because they're not offered, the flesh of the korbanot does not go onto the Mizbech, as we're going to see. So what does he do? He takes the fats out, but he doesn't actually butcher the animal, he just makes an incision, removes the fats that go on the altar from these korbanot, and it goes on the altar. And the rest, uh, and he puts it into a, a kind of a uh, bowl, and he, and he burns it on the mezbech. As the, as the Gemara is going to explain, he doesn't do that actually right now. But he, uh, he places it first. The point is that he removes the fats from inside the animal. Then he braids them together. What he does is he places the, um, the body of the power and the body of the seir together, sort of like combined, almost like braided together, combined together on poles that are then carried out to where it's going to be burned. He himself doesn't take it out to be burnt, but other people uh, bring it out to be burnt. Um, and Rashi explains that basically what they did was they had uh, two in front and two, it says four people would uh, carry it, two in the front and two in the back using two poles. So they had two poles, four people, so, you know, two people on one side, two people on the other side holding each pole. And they had the, uh, the bodies of these animals sort of draped over these two poles and woven, sort of like uh, interwoven together so that they stayed on there and they would carry them out. And we know that the Torah says that the one who uh, burns the, uh, these korbanot becomes tamay. At what point does it become tamay? So uh, according to the Tanakh Azara. According to the um, according to the Tanakhama, that's from the moment that they leave the Beit Hamikdash. No, it's from when the fire catches the majority of the uh, the these korbanot. So the point is that, um, like we've seen before, we have a similar similar argument uh, that we saw by the Sira Mishtalech. Is it when the person bringing the Sira? Because the Torah says that the Sira Mishtalech, the person who sends out the Sira Mishtalech. Is going to be a uh, is going to become tamei. So when does that tumah happen? When he leaves the area of Yerushalayim, or when he pushes over the Seir Mishtalech? In other words, is it the beginning of the process, so to speak, or the conclusion of the process? And in the same way, we're arguing here. The Tanakhama is saying, as soon as they take those korbanot out to be burned, that's when the tumah comes in. Or no, when they're actually burning is when the tumah comes in, because the Torah just says vasorefotam. It says they take it out, and it says the one who burns it is going to become tamei. The question is, what what when is the process? of burning begin when you leave the Beit HaMikdash and you're taking it to be burned or when you actually burn it. And that's the machlok that we're going to see. Now the Gemara says because that's what it says in the Torah to do to take it out and to burn it. That's what it says.
Only the Yom Kippur one. That, that's not in a korban. Okay. It's not a korban. That doesn't. That's different. No. That's paraduma uh, is not a korban. It, it's never in the Beit Hamikdash. No, but there's such a. But the, the these chataot are unique that they are taken outside to be burned. They're not. They're not offered on the Beit on the mizbeach. Okay. There's only th- there's only four cases of this. There's these two of the of Yom Kippur. Uh, you know. There's there's the case of the. Um, there's the, there's three cases. There's these two, the parvisayir that are taken out, and then there's the, and then there's the one of the communal korbanot that are brought when the community commits avodah or makes a mistake. Either one, they make a mistake because the bed didn't give them a bad ruling, or the or or the case of avodah where they bring parvisayir also, or when they just bring par because the bed didn't make a mistake. So in those they're called the they're called sirima nisrafim or parima nisrafim. It's the, they're burnt outside of the bed and The Torah says votzi et kol aparul That's what it says. So that's so. Well, well, it, one quick question. So you have you have to check the the korbanot. He doesn't do it. For, you asked this before. Well, he doesn't do that because he doesn't open it. He doesn't open it. He only takes out the fats. He makes an incision, takes out the fats that go on the mizbech, and that's it. He doesn't take the. the, 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 the they assume we assume most animals are not trefa. We, we always assume that, meaning the, the, unless you find some kind of trefot, you don't assume that there's trefot. We check the lungs of an animal because there's a lot of trefot in lungs in an animal, but, we, it, but really, according to Chazakaz, uh, Cheskat Kashrut, for all animals. So he wouldn't have to assume that it's a trefot. You don't assume, unless you have a reason to think. If they see, but we don't, even we don't check for trefot in, in animals today. We don't check for trefot in animals today. We, we only check the lungs. We only check the lungs. We don't check all the other internal organs that they could have. They could have a trefot in, there's 18 different things that it could make an animal trefot you could check for. We don't check for any of them, only the lungs. Because the lungs are very sensitive and it's common to find, you know, a needle in there or something like that that the animal ingested. It went into the trachea. But, it's, it, but everything else is not common. We don't ever tra- check. Only if we see it, we, we say it's a trifot. We never check for the other trifot. Only the lungs. Yeah, so here they didn't check it because they don't have to. Even for regular animal, we don't actually have to. If you lost the lungs, let's say. We learned about it. If you lost, if they it disappeared, then you assume it was probably good. You don't have to assume it was bad. We assume the best. Yeah. So anyway, no. So they didn't have to check. Now the ktiran salkadatach. Are you telling me that they actually at that moment the kohen gadol puts the uh, the fats of the of the korban on the mizbeach? It's not really true. No, rather say lehaktiran. He's going to later. In other words, what he does is he takes at this point he needs to send the bodies of the parvisa'ir out to be burnt. So he has to remove the fats from the parvisa'ir that are going to go onto the mizbeach. He removes them and puts them in a bowl, but he doesn't actually offer them yet. He actually offers them towards the end of the avodah when he's bringing the tamid of the afternoon, uh, the musaf, and then the tamid of the afternoon. That's when, he off- that's when he places those fats on the altar. Right now, he's not placing anything on the altar. He's just sending the bull and the, uh, and the goat out to be burnt, and then he's going to do something else. So it's, it's telling you what he's going to do later. Now, Amar Yochanan. So it says, They braided it together. Amar Yochanan came in Kli'ah. They kind of like, you know, like, I guess like wrapped their limbs around each other so they were, they were connected to each other when they were on the poles that they carried it out. Tana, lo right? Ela or al gabe basar. He doesn't butcher 
the uh, the parents ear they're not butchered they leave the and they're not flayed in other words the skin is not removed from the flesh of the parvasair they are burnt as they are they don't um they don't do what they normally do rashi says hasorfan we're talking about the person who burns it where do they get the fat from if they don't he cuts open the body of the front he takes the fats out because the fats of the animal that are offered on the uh, on the altar are, are in the front of the animal Meaning on the, like, if it's lying on its back, it's like on the, on the sides in the front of the animal, that's where the, uh, that's where the fats are found that are, uh, that need to be put on the zech. So they just would cut the front, they would take out those fats without cutting it open or anything like that, without chopping it up or anything like that. Just the fats in the front, because all the fats that they offer are really like, you could take them from the belly, so to speak, of the animal, like from the flanks of the animal front of it. That's all. So, the, and then they would send it. It says, they don't chop it up. Rashi says, Hasofan, mina, or we don't uh, remove the skin, and we don't, you know, we don't do the processing to the, uh, to the flesh of the animal that they would do uh, for an ola, because an ola, they skin the animal, chop it up, and put the flesh on the mizbech, and actually the kohanim get the skin of the ola, the korban ola. This, the, the skin and the flesh are all burnt together. There's no cutting up. Now, the question is, where do we get that from? It says here, or basar peresh. Or basar peresh means that it says, regarding the korban of the parvisair, the bull and the goat of Yom Kippur, it says three things. It says, you should burn et orotam bet bisaram bet pirsham. It says you should burn the skin and the flesh, and perish is the contents of the inside. In other words, normally when they would bring a korban, they would chop it up and they would also cleanse it to get the, you know, whatever waste or whatever is in the intestines and stuff like that, they would clean it out, right? They wouldn't put the perish, they wouldn't put the waste products inside the korban on the mizbech. But for this, they just burnt it as is. They didn't clean it, they didn't do anything like that. The only thing they did was extract the fats like we saw before. So it says, he burns the paraduma completely, he doesn't touch it, he doesn't touch anything. It's talking what's inside. Why would they take it? Why would they take that from on the floor and put it in? I don't know, I'm asking. That's not part of it anymore. He's talking about what's inside the body, though. Of course. Why would they take poop off the floor, put it inside the thing? No. No, it's saying that what it means is they don't clean it, they don't. They're not, whatever's inside the body, they just take it as is, right? Okay. So, so in the, and Paraduma is different. You can't really compare because Paraduma is just burnt into ashes. It's a totally, yeah. yeah. So it says, it says, Oro Basaru Perish, with regard to these. And it says, Oro Basaru Perish, when it talks about Par Kohen Mashiach, which is another, which is similar. In other words, the process of Par Kohen Mashiach is when the Kohen Gadol makes a mistake. And, and, and so he has basically the same procedure as the community making a mistake, that he has a power that the, the blood goes into the Kodesh, and so also it gets burnt outside, right? I kind of consider that together with the bull of the, uh, uh, of the uh, you know, of the community. It's the same procedure, but it's done only for the Kohen Gadol. So the point is, it says in both of those cases that we burn everything that it has. We burn its, fl- its flesh, its, its skin, whatever is inside the intestines. We don't take it out, right? Just like over there, they cut it up to burn it because otherwise it won't burn easily, but they don't skin it. In other words, they, the, the idea is that they chop it up in order to facilitate the burning, but they do not skin it and they don't clean anything out. Right? How do we know over there that that's true? Because it says in the Pasuk regarding the, uh, the, the Kohen Gadol's offering, it says 
the, there's two psukim next to each other. It says, So it says, after it lists all the different things, that Kira'av, Kirbo, Pirsho, the insides, the perish, which is whatever the contents of the stomach, intestines is, right, all that, and then it says, Ve'otzi, take it out, Melamed o Shalem, which means you take it out, whole, Yachol Yisrofenu Shalem, maybe you'll say that you should burn it whole, literally whole, Ne'emar Ka'an, Rosho Ka'av, Ne'emar Lahalan, and what should it actually say here? It should actually say, Rosho Ve'uchra'av, so it says the head and the legs, Malahalan al yidei nituach, Afkan al yidei nituach, so just like it says in a regular Ola, Rosho Ukra'av, meaning even though the whole Ola gets burnt on the Mizbeach, but they chop it up first, right? So just like by the Ola we chop it up, we also chop up the part of the Seir that we're burning outside. We just don't chop it up and skin it and clean it. With the Ola we skin it and we clean it. So we chop it though. So it says we don't burn it whole, we chop it. So therefore, so, what do you, so then you might say, Malalan, so maybe you should also skin it. That's why it says the insides and the contents of the intestinal, uh, you know, the intestines and stomach. So my Talmudah, what do we learn from there? Just like its perish is inside, so too the flesh is in the skin. In other words, we don't remove anything from anything. So just like we, you see that the contents of the intestine, the contents of the stomach are still inside the animal, so too we see that the skin is still, so to speak, in, I'm sorry, the flesh is still inside the skin. So we, we learn one thing from the Olah, but we distinguish from the Olah that, un, that like the Olah, we chop it up in order and we burn it in pieces. But unlike the Olah, we don't clean it, we don't clean out the intestines and this and that, and we also don't um, uh, skin it, okay? Only you take the emurim. Just the, the emurim just means the fats. Just the chilev, the chilev that they take. That's it. That's the only thing. So now, when does the uh, when does the person who burns these korbanot uh, become tamei? It says they take it outside and they burn it. Okay, so. Uh, so the so how do you, so the uh, we didn't get to the answer of the question yet, but Rashi says that there's a different that the version that he had was uh, was mistaken, but I think that the version that we have in front of us now is actually uh, better. So anyway, I think it matches like what Rashi has pretty much. But the point is that um, it says that you should take it out and burn it. So over there you give three machanot, and here you only give one machane. In other words, there were three different. Um, machanot, we learned that in the, in the Midbar, there were three. There was Machane Shechina, which is the Beit HaMikdash, I meaning the Mishkan. There's what's called Machane Leviyah, which are where the Leviim are, which is around the Mishkan. And there's called Machane Yisrael. So sometimes when it says Chutz Machane, it could just mean outside of the Mishkan. Sometimes it says Chutz Machane, it means outside of all three of the Machanot, meaning completely outside of the camp altogether. Like a Mitzorah is go outside the Machane, means completely outside. Right? Some things, some types of Tum'ah have to be outside the Beit HaMikdash, but they're allowed to go on Harabait. Harabait is called Machane Leviyah. Right in our so that's why a person who's balkari he's not allowed to go on harabayit. But if he's tememet he's allowed to go on harabayit. Right, so because that's the type of tumas allowed in machane leviyah, just not in so not in machane shechina. So there's different levels. So the point is, it says take out 
take it out. And so Rashi explains that when it, that that, um, that uh, really the text is talking about the, uh, taking things out of the three machanot. Okay, Yotzi el mechutza machane. That pasuk is talking about the um, is talking about the korbanot of Yom Kippur. But it says take it outside of the camp. You might think that that means take it outside just of the mishkan. And burn it right outside, or right out of the right outside the Beit Hamikdash. Like you don't have to go any further than that. You might have thought that it means right outside. So it says over there you give three machanot, and here you give only one machane. Meaning, in other cases, the in the case of the the uh, the uh, kohen gadol and the community's power that they bring when they make a sin, normally it's brought outside of all three machanot. And here you just say you have to take it out of one machane. That's what it sounds like. How could it be that for the other parim you have to go outside of three machanot? Meaning you have to be completely outside of um, the Machane Israel, even, which would mean you have to be outside even of Jerusalem in today's terms. Outside of Jerusalem to burn it. And this one of Yom Kippur, you could be inside Jerusalem. How could it be? So how could that be? It says, uh, right? In, in other cases, you say three Machanot. So it says, So then why does it say, meaning, the the Breita is saying it rhetoric rhetorical question meaning it doesn't literally mean that it means that oh obviously if in if when it comes to the other parim you have to go outside of all three machanot then here also you have to go through uh, all, all three machanot so why does it say el el sounding like you only have to leave one of the machanot to tell you that as soon as you leave the first stage the people who are bringing it out are already tamei in other words that was what the mishnah was saying in other words even though the the burning of the parvasair takes place outside of all three machanot meaning it takes place outside of jerusalem actually okay outside of all three machanot we don't, we, we say that the person becomes Tameh from the moment that they leave the Beit HaMikdash, the first Machaneh. So there's three stages of exit. Once they leave the first one, they already became Tameh. Now, Vatam Minalan, how do you know over there, by the power of, you, of, the, uh, of the community, that you have to leave all three Machanot? Because it says, take the entire bull outside of the camp, which means outside of three Machanot. Maybe it's only one. Right? So it's going to tell you that each time it mentions go outside the machane, it's adding a level. Okay? So what it means is, when, it's talk, when it talks about, for the first on the list, the first is the Kohen, the Kohen Gadol's Chet. If you look at in Sefer Vayikra, the first example that it gives is of the, of the Kohen Gadol's, uh, when he makes an error, and he has to bring a, par, a special power that the blood goes into the Kodesh, and then it has to be taken out and burnt, and it says, Now when it talks about the, uh, the power Ha'edah, which is when the community makes a mistake based on the bet, and it also says take it out of the camp. But it says you should burn it kasher saraf et You should burn it the same way that you burnt the kohen gadol's par. Now we know the kohen gadol's par was burnt outside the camp. So why do you have to say take it outside the camp? You already told me that it has to be burnt the way that it's that the kohen gadol's uh, bull is burnt. So that's a second mention of el michutz machane that wasn't necessary. So that gives you another one. And then it says that the deshen that the that you should take the trumata deshen after it piles up for a while they take the deshen out to uh, outside the completely outside the camp right it says there that's an extra word too because when it talks about burning the korbanot outside 
of the camp, it mentions El Shefech Hadeshin, that that's the place that you pour the ashes from the Mizbech. So we already know that it has to be outside the camp. So the point is that we have two extra mentions of outside the camp. The first one by the Kohen Gadol is, tells you what, right? The second one, when it mentions the community's korban has to be taken outside, is extra. So it tells you you have to go outside of two camps, which would mean outside of Machane Leviyah, which would mean not only not in the Beit HaMikdash, but also not on Harabait. And then the third one that's mentioned by the, the Deshen, that you have to take the Deshen, you have to take the ashes after every once in a while, they have to take the ashes out. It's called Hotza'at Deshen, not just Chumat Deshen, where they put it next to the Mizbech, but they have to actually take it out. So we see that that's Michutza Machane again, that's an extra word, because we already knew where the Deshen was poured outside the camp, so it's an extra word. So that, that extra phrase teaches you three, Ten lo Lishit, that gives you three Machanot. In other words, we have three times says El Michutza Machanet to teach you that the Korban of the community has to be burnt outside of three Machanot, and the Korban of the uh, Kohen Gadol outside of three Machanot, and therefore, um, and therefore uh, they, we, we have a connection between that and the Yom Kippur, and we say that it also has to be burnt outside of three Machanot. However, when it says El Michutza Machanet, in the case of the uh, in the case of Yom Kippur, that's to tell you that the person becomes tamei the minute that they leave the first machane. So the minute that they leave to carry those animals, the first the Beit Hamikdash premises, they already became tamei even though they didn't reach the place where they're going to burn it yet. For Rabbi Shimon, what about Rabbi Shimon? Rabbi Shimon says that you don't become tamei when you leave the Beit Hamikdash the first uh, initially. You only become tamei when you're actually burning the parvaseir. So then, what do you need the extra word el michutza machane? So he says, "Hi michutza machane, mayavidle." What's he going to do with that pasuk? He uses it for a different thing which is Rabbi Eliezer it says regarding the para aduma also they both have to be completely outside of the walled area of Jerusalem just like the para aduma is burnt to the east of Jerusalem facing the west but to the east of it Rabbi Shimon says also it's Yerushalayim it has to be to the east of Jerusalem on the mountain that's facing Facing the yeah, that's facing the uh, the Beit Hamikdash now. So that so Rabbi Shimon is saying that pasuk El Michutza Machane is not teaching you that you become tamei the minute that you're carrying the parvasair outside the Beit Hamikdash to go burn it. It's teaching you where you burn it. You burn it to the east of Jerusalem. You don't burn it anywhere that you want. Okay, so the, the, so that's what he does with that extra word El Michutza Machane. Everyone agrees you have to take it outside of Shalosh Machanot, which means you have to take it out of the Beit Hamikdash. Of course, you have to take it out of Harabait. You have to even take it out of the walled area of Jerusalem. The question is where do you have to burn it? So he says that's what that pasuk tells you. It has to be to the east just like the paradumas to the east. Okay, where do the rabbis say you burn it? They have a different location. They say, they said that you burn Yom Kippur. We're not talking about the, the Paraduma, everyone agrees. The, the question is where do you burn the one of Paravasay of Yom Kippur? Since they don't have that extra word to connect the animals of Yom Kippur to the paraduma. What, so where did they decide that it should be burned? They said to the north. That's outside of the three camps to the north of Jerusalem. Rabbi Yossi says it should be burnt at the Bet It should be burnt at the place where the uh, where there is already a- there are already ashes deposited from the mizbech uh, because it says el shefech deshen yisarif has to be burnt in the place where the deshen is placed where the ashes are placed which means there should actually be some ashes there from the mizbech from before that you go there and you burn it on that place that's what it should be according now the implication is that not everybody agrees with that that's only Rabbi Yosi Amaravam Mantana de Paligal is Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov who it's Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov disagrees with that the Tanya will learn that about el shefech deshen yisarif shel shem deshen 
Shin. Um, I'm sorry, it should be probably Lisham, right? Deshin, right? And Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omeshim Mikomom Mishupach. So according to, according uh, to the first um, uh, opinion, which apparently would be Rabbi Yossi, what that means is that there actually has to be Deshin uh, there, there has to actually be ashes there for it to be considered the place where the where the ashes are are put. According to Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, it it doesn't mean that. It means el shefech is referring to the fact that it has to be it has to be slanted. It has to be burnt on a place that is slanted because it means makom shupach means a place that is on a on an incline so that it will uh, you know so that it, like spills down when you when you burn it the ashes will will spill down that's what it means a shefech it doesn't mean that there actually has to be ashes there okay so that's the amar abaye says maybe the argument between them is whether you maybe even Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov agrees that there have to be ashes there because after all the Torah says you're supposed to burn the parvaseir in a place where you put deshin, where you put ashes. Maybe even Rabbi Yezben Yaakov agrees and he's just adding something. He's adding also it needs to be makom mishupach. It also needs to be a place that is on an incline or a decline. Right? So he says Right? How do you know that it's actually a machloket? It could be that it's not a machloket about whether there have to be ashes there. Maybe everybody agrees that it should be burnt in a place that previously had ashes because it says El Shef Echadishin. Yisrael, if you're supposed to burn it on the same place as the ashes. The only question is, does it have to also be a place which has a, uh, a decline or incline? Uh, yeah, a sort of slanted area. That's where the machloket is. Tanu Rabban, Vasoref, the person who burns the animals is the one who becomes tamei, not the one who lights the fire, and not the one who sets up the wood. This is the person who actually helps at the time. In other words, anyone who's actually helping with the placing of the uh, flesh on the fire. Maybe you'll think that even after these korbanot become totally ashes, if somebody touches those ashes, they'll become tamaytam. Only when they are still in some, there's still some like, you know, if it's, you have to be able to recognize it as, as the body of the korban. Once it becomes ashes, it will not create tumah anymore. So as long as it's being burnt from the moment that it's being burnt and while it's, while it's involved in being burnt, it still conveys tumah. As soon as it's reduced to ashes, it doesn't convey tumah anymore. Rabbi Yelizabeth Rabbi Shimon Omer, Hapar Mitameh, that the, the bull is, uh, is what creates tumah. Nitach Abasar Eno Mitameh. But if it's if the if the uh, uh, if the flesh is like melted down, in other words, it's totally r- loses all semblance of any kind of flesh. So then it no longer conveys any tuma. My benayu, what's the machok? That if you burnt it to a crisp, in other words, according to Rabbi Elazar, even if you burnt it, you charred it so much that it's like a charcoal. It's like a, it's really burnt. So it's a really a, a burnt piece of uh, meat, but it's totally burnt. Like it becomes like charcoal. He would say that is also not mitame, but according to Tanakhama, it has to actually be reduced to. Um, to ashes, right? So that's what Rashi says. According to the Tanakhama, until it becomes ashes, it will still convey Tum'ah. But according to Rabbi Rabbi Shimon, it's not called flesh of a bull anymore if it became a piece of charcoal, even though it's not ashes yet. Huh? The whole thing, any of it. But it's saying if it has to be ashes, according to the Tanakhama, it has to be ashes. According to him, if it's a chunk of, of meat... 
that's totally burnt, like black, burnt, that's also the same as ashes, according to Rabbi Elezer, Rabbi Shimon, because it's totally destroyed, right? So that's the question is, at what point does it no longer convey the Tum'ah? This is, of course, all going according to Rabbi Shimon's opinion, that only the burning of the actual par is what makes them Tamei, the leaving of the, uh, leaving of the Bet HaMikdash itself does not make the people carrying it Tamei. Now the Mishnah says, They, they would say to the Kohen Gadol, the, the goat has reached the desert, Right, they would tell him when it reached the desert because he had to wait for it to reach the desert before he could proceed with the next step of the avodah. How did they know when it reached there? They would have stations along the way, going all the way to the midbar. And they would wave flags. They would wave, you know. So when he would get to the the, the beginning of what was considered the midbar, the first guy would wave his flag. The second guy would see it. He would wave a flag. Third guy would see wave a flag. So they would see it all the way back in the Beit Hamikdash. They had a line of flags. Okay, and that was how we would know. Uh, there's a much there's a there's a bigger sign of it, which is we know the we know the um the amount of distance, right? The amount of distance is three mil from Yerushalayim to what was considered the beginning of the Midbar. Now we said it's 12 mil or 10 mil, depending on the opinion, to where he gets pushed off the cliff. But he doesn't have to get all the way to the cliff. He just has to get to the Midbar. Midbar begins where the residence, like the area, the settled area ends. And that is three mil from the Bet HaMikdash. So we should know that from Yerushalayim, it's already three mil that he traveled. How would they know? Because Holchim mil, somebody will go one mil, Chosrin mil, and go back one mil, and then Shohinke de mil, and then wait the amount of time it takes to walk a meal, which is like 18 minutes. Like we always say, uh, a, a meal, it takes about, right? So the, um, so the, uh, or, or, what, or I guess, uh, you know, 20, uh, 20 minutes, 24 minutes, whatever it is that takes to walk a full meal, right? So that's the, that's the amount of time. So he would wait that amount of time and that, that would be enough. Right, right. Now, this part is actually not part of the Mishnah, even though it appears in the Mishnah. It's really a Braita, but since it's here, we'll read it. Rabbi Shmuel Omer, Valo Siman Achirayalem. They had another sign that was the Shon Shazeorit Ayak Kashual Pitchosh Elechal. So, according to this, from the moment that we know that they would, in the olden days, before they started tying it on the rock, before the, the Ish Iti started tying it on the rock, they used to tie in the Echal the string, and they would see it become white according to this from the time that the goat reached the Midbar, even before he was pushed over the cliff. So then they would know he got there. So that's the, uh, that's the, uh, the Pasuk says, if your sins are red, they'll become white. So um, that sign would work according to Rabbi Shimon in, I'm sorry, according to Rabbi Ishmael, instead of having to have the flags and instead of having to count the time, having somebody walk a meal, come back a meal, and wait the amount of time of a meal, right? You wouldn't need to, uh, in other words, the people who escort him for the first meal, that's what it's talking about, right? Because we know that they would be escorted. So the people who escorted him to the first station, they would go, they would come back, and then they would wait the amount of time it took to walk the meal, and that would be enough to know that he reached the desert by then, right? Because they, they could, but, so that, that, there are many ways he could have known. But the Amar Abayesh, We know that this place, Beit Chidudo, is considered the beginning of the desert from that. You see from this, that according to Rabbi Yudah, from the moment that the Sa'ir reaches the Midbar, the Mitzvah is accomplished to the extent at least that now the Kohen Gadol can continue. Meaning we don't have to wait till the goat is pushed off the cliff because that will take much longer because traveling a whole the 12 meal 
right? If we say, you know, that's going to take like uh, a couple of hours, yeah, right? Yeah, so, it's, uh, so it's, it's much longer of a trip because if you say a meal takes, let's say, around roughly 20 minutes, whatever, yes. to walk, so then you're going to say, uh, if, you know, if he's going 12 meal, so that's already, uh, that's already several hours, that's already four hours uh, walk. So w- once he does the first hour, so now the Kohen Gadol basically can continue with the service and move on. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. That's the conclusion of the Perik Shnei Right. We'll continue with the Seder Avodah. The next Perik. The Kohen Gadol now reads from the Torah. That's what he does now. And it's, and it's written in our Avodah, Seder Avodah, Yom Kippur, in the, in the Musaf, that then he comes to read it. After he sends it out to be burnt, right? He doesn't go himself. He sends it out to be burnt, and then he's waiting, meanwhile, for the... Uh, for the indication that the uh, Seir has reached the Midbar. Now that he knows that's done, now he comes to read the Torah. If he wants to read it in his white garments, of, you know, the Kohen Gadol's garments of Yom Kippur, he could. He could, or he could wear street clothes, basically. He could wear his own clothing, his own white uh, tunic. The person who was the Shamash, like the person who basically dealt with the uh, synagogue, not the Gabai, but the person who was kind of like the administrator of the synagogue that was on Harabai, would take a Sefer from there, no, the Rosh Knesset, he would give it to like the Gabai. The Rosh Knesset is the person, according to Rashi, that would give out the Aliyot and things like that. So he was like the Gabai. He, Rosh Knesset, no, no, Sagan, this, he would give it to the Sagan, the, the assistant Kohen Gadol, Vasagan, no, no, the Kohen Gadol. Uh, and the uh, the assistant Kohen Gadol gives it to the Kohen Gadol. Kohen Gadol omed umikabel, and the Kohen Gadol stands up, receives the Sefer Torah Vekore, and he's going to read then. Um, uh, yeah, he reads. Um, uh, he reads from the Parashat Achremot and He reads two things. He reads Achremot, which is the parasha that describes the Seder Avodah, and then he reads also Ach Beasor, which is the Maftir of Yom Kippur, which is the part in uh, in Parashat Pinchas that describes the Musaf uh, Korbanot. Ve'golel Sefer Torah. He rolls up Sefer Torah. Umenichol b'chiko puts it in his uh, on his chest. Ve'omer Yodem Avashikarati Levnechem Katufkan. More than what I read to you is written here. We're going to see why he says that. The Gemara will explain why, but he says that Obeasor b'shuchumash apikudim. And the, um, the, the maftir part, the paragraph from Parshat Pinchas, he reads it balpeh. He doesn't actually roll the Sefer Torah because he doesn't want the... Well, the Gemara will explain. He doesn't want to do... It's considered... Uh, 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 it's considered a trouble for the community to have to wait for Sefer Torah to be rolled. That's why, that's why we have the practice when we have more than one Sefer Torah. Yeah. That, instead of just rolling it. We don't roll it because it's, it's uh, the people waiting, they're waiting, waiting, it's not nice. So, the, uh, so therefore, he, instead of rolling it all the way to the end of Bamidbar, even though it would have only taken, you know, five minutes, whatever. Yeah, yeah he, he reads it about Pep. And then he says, Bachot, Shmone Bachot. Uh, he says eight bachot ala Torah. Now the Rashi says that this uh, this bracha is just the the uh, blessing of Hashem Natan Lanu Torah Torah Emet. That's all he would say. According to the Rambam, it means that he would say a bracha before and after reading the Torah, the way that someone who's olela Torah does it. That they first read Hashem Bacharbanu, then he reads the Torah, then he reads Hashem Natan Lanu. That's the way that the Rambam has it. Like basically, that's talking about the Kriyat Torah had a uh, had that uh, bracha of the normal Kriyat Torah ala Avodah. Then he would say a bracha of Ritzei. 
but ending not tamachazir shechinato leziyon because the, because if he's the, if he's the kohen gadol in the bet hamikdash then they have hamachazir shechinato leziyon already they already have the bet hamikdash instead he would end it sheotechal levadecha biyran avod which is um, the language of the bacha in the time when the bet hamikdash is standing that you alone we serve with fear and uh, in fact the uh, on on uh, high holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur the um, the uh, and when they, when they have uh, birkat kohanim. The uh, the Ashkenazim they read this uh, they read this instead of Hamachazish yeah. Chetotziot yeah they they say that, that that's the custom but yeah I remember that that they they used to read it Valahodaa then he would do Modima Nachnulach until Hatov Shimchau Lechana Elahodot and then he would say Val Mechilate Avon he would say Abachan Mechilate Avon which is Mechol Avonotenu Biyom Kipurim Azeh until Melech Mochel Vesoleach Laavonotenu Vlaavonot Amo Obed Yisrael etc etc he would say that Bacha and then he would say Val Mikdash he would say a blessing on the Bet Mikdash, which was a blessing of uh, uh, that Baruch Shebachar Mikdash. Blessed are you, Hashem, who chose the Bet Mikdash as the place for the Shechina. And then Bifnei Atzmo, I think they take out the word Bifnei Atzmo here. Um, it should just say Val Kohanim Val Yisrael Bifnei Atzman. Right? Then he would say a blessing on the uh, Kohanim. And then he would say Yerushalayim. So right, and now we have in our Mishnah. Then it says So the Gra has a different order. Now what are the Bachot? So on the Kohanim, he would say, "Blessed are Yosem Shebachar B'Saror Shel Aaron," and Baruch Shebachar B'Yisrael. So thank you, Hashem, that you chose the Kohanim, that you chose the Jewish people, and um, and that you chose Yerushalayim. And then Velshara Tefillah, that's a blessing that ends Shomea Tefillah that the Gemara is going to explain. But he said, eight Bachot is the point. If a person is watching the Kohen Gadol read on Yom Kippur, he's not going to see the bull and the goat being burnt. And if a person sees the bull and the goat being burnt, He's not going to see the Kohen Gadol reading. The reason why, right, not because, right, meaning it's two different places, not because you're not allowed to watch both of them, but they're in two different places and they were happening at the same time. And they're happening at the same time. It's just trying to tell you that these two things were going on simultaneously, right? That's what it's trying to say. Simultaneously, these two things were going on, so you couldn't see both at the same time. Now, from the fact that. It's different parts. It's like different parts so of the Tfilat Musaf. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So now he says... Uh, did the Mishnah need to tell us? Do we know? What? Which thing? The light burning outside and the guy saying... Uh, it's just trying to tell you that they weren't staggered because you might have felt since Ted before that he sent out the Parim Sofim and then he waited for the Seir to go, you might have thought, oh, well, that's maybe by the time the Seir gets to the Midbar, maybe the Parvis are already burnt. And therefore, he's he's reading afterwards. Like you don't, you wouldn't know that. No, actually, by the time they took the parvasir out, also to be burnt, and the asir lazazel gets there, the you know, if you count the distance it would take to go from one place to the other, also it ends up being a simultaneous. Yeah. Now the Gemara says from the fact that he's allowed to read in his own clothes, mikal de avodahi. Obviously, that means the kriya is not an avodah because if it were considered avodah to read the Torah, then he would not be able to read in his regular clothes. But on the other hand, it says, if he wanted to read in his big day uh, keona, he's allowed to. So, shamat mina, big day keona, litnitnu leanot ben. You see from that that even though the ko- even when the Kohen Gadol is not involved in Avodah, he's allowed to wear the big day keona because, in other words, you can't have it both ways. If the Kriya is considered an Avodah, 
So then he shouldn't be able to wear his regular clothes. And if it's not considered avodah, how could he be wearing his big day kehona during that reading? Obviously, it's not considered uh, a, a problem to wear the big day kehona, even though what he's doing is not an avodah. The Gemara says, no, we could distinguish because even though the Kriya is not avodah itself, it's Tzorech Avodah. In other words, we wouldn't consider the reading of the Torah actually part of the Avodah of Yom Kippur. So he doesn't have to wear his uh, big day kehona while he's doing it. However, if, he's, uh, if he wears the big day kehona, it's okay because it's Tzorech Avodah. It's not unconnected to the Avodah. It has a relationship. It's connected to the Avodah. And therefore, he's allowed to wear the Big Day Kehuna when he's reading it. Then the Gemara is going to get into a discussion of the whether or not Kohanim are allowed to benefit from the Big Day Kehuna when they're not actually involved in the Avodah. But it's going to go all the way to the end of the next Amut. So we'll, pick, we'll leave it for Shabbat.